welcome to the World Tennis Show with me, Adam Bayfield, Tony Kerr. Evening. And Patrick Ogier. Hello there. Here we are again, guys, raring to go for another instalment of the World Tennis Show. Three years between the previous two episodes and then three weeks between the next two. Like buses, aren't they? You know, you, you go you go years without one. We're like a really crap bus. Two crash into you at the same time. But yeah, how, how are you? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? No, good. Very good. Yeah. Doing one of these again so quickly has ruined the introduction that I had planned because I was I was planning to just start this episode by making all of the same jokes <laughs> that you did in the last <laughs> three. In the previous three, yeah. yeah. I was actually I was genuinely quite upset with myself that when because I uploaded uh, episode three, the one we did three weeks ago, yeah, uh, and then I was going back over the previous two. I thought oh, I'll upload the previous two to the internet as well. Listen to the first few minutes of episode two. Exactly the same jokes. Exactly the same jokes. Always, I mean, you guys were different. You guys were great. I was making the yeah. same. Yeah. Oh, I think I almost Sam Prasalendal. I made, yeah, I made exactly. exactly the same joke. Yeah. Really I like that in your head, it's like, this is such gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, people won't even mind. It's, it's like a sat, classic. Yeah. It's like, tell all the classics. Well, you sort of sat down at your writing table and you were just like... Yeah. I was laughing because yeah, I remembered that it was the same one. <laughs> you were going, oh, yeah. God, he's embarrassed himself here. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, perhaps instead we could start off with a... Uh, just with a big shout out to everyone listening in the bath. Yeah, it's a bath time show, isn't it? It's become. You, <laughs> okay. get a lot, you got a lot of feedback from people in the bath. We could change the name to the bath time tennis bonanza or something. <laughs> well, you wanted to call it Bayfield's bath time bonanza, which mm, that sounds weird. <laughs> well, we've, we've got a lot of feedback from listeners that uh, a lot of people seem to listen to this in the bath. Yeah. Podcasts and baths do go hand in hand, though. I think. I mean, part of that is that you sort of, you, you know, you put the podcast on, yeah. uh, you get in the bath. Yeah. You do, part of that you, is. <laughs> you do your bath stuff. But then if you, if you don't like what you What's hear. What's your bath stuff? You know, whatever you do in the bath. Uh, <laughs> you know, but if you don't like what you hear, you're snookered then because you got wet hands. So you don't want to touch mm, your phone. True. So you just, you're like, oh, I'll Good just put point. It. But I always position a towel just beside the bath in case I need to wipe my hands to... <laughs> Right, or dry yourself. This is a good. This is a top tip. If you're if you're in the bath yeah. at the moment, or use my phone. Do you ever use your phone in the bath? No, but no. it won't have escaped you That's as well. Addiction to a phone. You are addicted to your <laughs> phone. You should not be using your phone in the bath. No. A bath is I used about my phone in the, the shower the other day. So I was holding it. <laughs> Rather like to the side and then only lathering one arm. Uh, but a bath, and this is a really boring observation, but a bath and a podcast should be about the same length. Sort of 30, 30 to 45 can minutes. You, I can't stay in the bath. I, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. boring. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot get the temperature of my bath. <laughs> no, it's, right. really, it's, it's a great point. It's dark, man. It's a great always, point. <laughs> I always run it too hot. If you run it too Every hot, then you start time. to sweat into the bath, which. <laughs> but is this is what happens. I run so it too unpleasant. hot. I get in the bath, I just lie there sweating for about five minutes, and then I have to get out. Yeah. So I, I listen to about five minutes of a podcast, and then that's it. Maybe, maybe so for all those yeah. out there, get it the right temperature. Almost like slightly above body body temperature, and then you can always top it up with some extra hot. Another top tip. <laughs> right, <laughs> move go, on. Patrick Kosher's top bath tip. I do think that the next promo shot for the show should be the three of us in a bath. Well, actually, um, recently I did something where I was speaking to my girlfriend or texting, and I and I sent an entirely innocent photo, but from in the bath. Right. Um, uploaded it. <laughs> Sent it, went back to the message thread, wasn't there. Uh, went to the, like other message threads, sent it to like a 55 year old French tennis coach. <laughs> so, what highly was, embarrassing. So, it was, only, it was only sort of head and shoulders. That is embarrassing. Yeah. 
Could be worse. Could have been worse, couldn't it? Well, could it? I mean, what was... Because it was only... It was just a head... It was just my head, really. It wasn't, like, full body. Mm. Do you ever... Like, I know it's very easy to send things on the the wrong thread, isn't it? On Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. Do you ever accidentally put kisses... On threads, yeah, it's not think... even. It's not the wrong thread, but you just get a bit confused, yeah. and you send kisses to like, like I, I think I've sent kisses to you before too. Well, well I, I thought they were sense. genuine. I mean, you know, and like a lot as well, like you know, 10, kisses. 15. Yeah. It, I think what, yeah, I, the only time it's really sort of caught me out is when I tried to send a message to a group uh, referring to uh, a girl that we know uh, who's, but because of her surname, we used to we called her Davor. Right. As in Davor <laughs> Shuka, the Croatian '90s football star. So she's got the same surname. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than a real name. So I, I sent this message saying, "Oh yeah, Davor's, yeah, Davor's thrilled with it or something like that." <laughs> sent it to her, and I was just immediately like, "Oh god." Yeah. Uh, Apologies about that, because then you've got to explain it. It's like, you well, we joke. yeah, we call you Davor <laughs> after the. 90s Croatian football star. Like it's a joke which doesn't require much explanation. (laughs) The Croatian football player who was famous in 1998. Kisses at the end of text. Do you send, like, like to friends, to male friends, would you send kisses? I mean, even to female friends, you just put a couple of kisses on the end. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because if you imagine that in real life, that's just you going, okay, see you later. Which you probably wouldn't do if you saw them in person, <laughs> would you? Uh, I think you've just got to fight kisses with kisses. If you get kisses, give kisses. Yeah, you I mean. initiate kisses. No. Anyway, tennis then. Yeah. Uh, the last show we did was our French Open preview. This is our Wimbledon preview. Uh, we, we had a sort of on-air production meeting last time. Uh, we're going to do one pod for each of the four Grand Slams. Uh, so this is the one for Wimbledon. Uh, but I think we should start by talking about the French Open just gone because it finished... Only a few days ago is recording this. Mm. Murray Djokovic in the final, of course, and Djokovic did it. He won the title. He completed his career Grand Slam. He completed the Novak Slam uh, by winning four in a row. Now, he's the first man since the 1960s to hold all four Grand Slams at the same time. So, I mean, there's a lot to to say here, isn't there? But should we start with just was it a good final, do you think? Um, Murray got everyone's hopes up, didn't he? He did. He won the first set quite like relatively comfortably as well. I mean, the first game Djokovic broke him, didn't he? But then Murray stormed back and won it. Was it six three? But then it was from from the second set on. It was fairly plain sailing for Djokovic, mm. wasn't it? Just too good. I actually fell asleep uh, in the third set. Uh, that doesn't really reflect very well on me, but oh, right. uh, I think it'd been quite a heavy night the night before. First set. It's not like you, too. Uh, uh, the first <laughs> set. First set, you know, I was buzzing. I was, I was all over the place in my, uh, in my sitting room, <laughs> leaping about, fit a lot of fist pumps going on. Uh, but yeah, as you say, Pumping I mean, the fist. quite how Djokovic suddenly just sort of bounced off the ropes and then and then dominated from there. You know, it's tough to sort of. It's scary. Yeah, how, how he, um, how he never seems to be concerned when he's down. You know what I mean? Like you said last time about when he's. L- Love six first set against Bellucci, but on his face, like looking at him, you know he's just thinking, "Well, I'm just going to win this. I just need to win it in two more now." There's not not even a flicker, and I think with Murray as well, it's just like sort of, "Oh, I'll get into it in a minute." It's just sort of scarily calm. The, what that does he? to the the mentality of his opponent as well mm. must be pretty significant because, as well as Murray was playing, and as you know, as mm. comfortably as he won the first set in a sense, yeah. 
he still knows, well, Djokovic, even if he was two love up in sets, yeah. you think, well, Djokovic has got to be evens to win this still. That's what you think, because when, if Murray had won the second, you still wouldn't bank on it. And yeah, but if jo- Djokovic winning the second, you're thinking all kinds of problems here. It's like a boss on a video game. I'm sure I've made this comparison before. For example, Ocarina of Time, you know. <laughs> The bosses in that game, uh, you have to sort of you you have to do sort of some sort of convoluted thing to to knock them once, but you have to do it three times to to knock them out completely. So you do it once, and then yeah. it only gets harder. Then they get enraged and they go <laughs> and, they, and start this different things start happening, and it actually becomes so you know that's the sort of mentality. Yeah. You know, it takes you ages to beat it if you're me. This is another reference to something from 1998. You're living in the 90s. Yeah, too. Still, am. but yeah. uh, every Mario game's like that as well. It would be like a little octopus thing shooting. Inca. Yeah, and it does get more enraged. Yeah, so Djokovic doesn't get more enraged though; he just gets more powerful. But what Murray's got to do is identify that weak part on his body and then run up and jump on it <laughs> three times. Yeah, at the change of ends. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know what? What what was the closest thing to get Djokovic out of the tournament though? In the whole tournament, when was he closest to leaving? He threw his racket, didn't he? Yeah, and it almost hit L- inches away from doing a Nalbandian. Yeah, it was the, the line judge had sort of uh, matrix style reflexes. Well, that's what they said. I didn't, I couldn't see on the sh- on the footage I saw. I could only see kind of him throw the racket. I didn't see the reaction. But what's funny is that, or interesting is that the obviously it's not the lines judge's job to get out of the way. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So the lines judge had been looking the other way, or just thought. Basically, if the lines judge hadn't been, a, wasn't a Djokovic fan, yeah. just <laughs> stay exactly still. Djokovic would have been out. There's not a shadow of a doubt, though, is there? Because he, he, th- he throws it in the ground and it bounces. No, no, it didn't. But it, it didn't bounce. It kind of caught the edge of his hand, didn't it? Oh, okay. And it, it kind of he throws it down, but he somehow like doesn't release it until it kind of like flings behind him, and so it just with some force like goes to the back of the court. But you, I, I mean, bearing in mind Henman's one of all those well, years, he ago. got disqualified. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't savage. Think, I don't hell. think savage. I don't think Djokovic. I don't think the the referee would have had a choice. I think they'd Mm. had to have disqualified him. It's slightly concerning for the rest of the field, though, when the biggest threat to Djokovic going out is an errant racket throw. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's an odd one, though, isn't it? Because because there's no real difference between the the motivation of Djokovic, whether that racket hits the line judge or doesn't. I don't think incentive is, like, considered when something like that happens. Intent, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The intent, like Nalbandian swung at like a very flimsy board that was in front of a linesman. Like he presumably didn't aim to. Well, no, no, Nalbandian kicked it, didn't he? He kicked it. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. So he kicked it, and it then like sort of it was so flimsy. It was like just in true blood, thing, didn't it? it, it, it? But, but was, yeah, I mean, the I guy did... made such a meal of it though. I mean, his leg was hemorrhaging blood. It wasn't. It was like a small cut, and no. then and then later on he said um, he says like thinking of suing, and it was like they, they, yeah for damages or whatever, and, and it turned out it didn't need any stitches. It was just like a small plaster. I mean, it was stupid from Nalbandian, but it almost... 39p in damages. (laughs) He was just so in the zone that he didn't even notice there was a chap standing behind the board. No, exactly, it was that. And he was, like, looking down. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of running to the side of the court, looking down. He gave it a good kick. He did. No, no, no. I mean, it was... But shouldn't... It would be a bit of a shock. Shouldn't intent matter, though? Because, you know, as we talked about last time, you know, players throw rackets all the time. If one accidentally, you know, bounces up or slips out of the hand and hits a line judge, there's actually there's nothing different about that mm. in terms of intent. Just um, ban, just come down hard on 
all racket throwing. This, you know, lends, lends some yeah. credibility to Tone's argument from last time, Patrick. What do you have to say to that? I'd say they just need to follow the impeccable example of football where like, the referee just doesn't take any of these at all. <laughs> it was interesting actually talking about uh, you know, comparisons to other sports. You know, a, a fair amount's been made about Djokovic's annoyance at that point right at the end of the first set as a you know, possible turning point where uh, the ball was called out and then Djokovic was through the shot. I mean, he was de- I mean Djokovic was definitely wrong in his yeah. little exchange. Uh, but I always find it fascinating when you hear the players interacting with the umpire because there's very few other sports where you actually hear yeah, exactly, hear yeah. the sportsmen. In fact, none, I guess I you know you hear in rugby. In rugby. Okay, do, rugby a little yeah. bit, yeah. The, 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 I don't watch huge amount of rugby, though. So, you, so you, sports I watch. You don't always hear the players in rugby, though, do you? You do watch you, rugby, don't you? Yeah, I do watch a bit of rugby. Too, but yeah. so, yeah, you hear, like, the, you know, you mainly hear the captain. You hear, you hear the referee, talk. and then you sometimes hear what but the actually, captain also, yeah. And also, actually, yeah, you don't, well, the captain doesn't say he jumped out, does it? Because it's just really a lecture from the referee saying yeah. this is what Yeah, this and you don't happens. really, yeah, you don't argue. You seem to, there is some scope for arguing with the umpire in tennis, isn't there? But they don't seem to ever really, like, change their mind. No, but it's always fascinating to hear those sort of exchanges, I find. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, amazing, very good speech from Murray afterwards. Very gracious. <coughs> but also because he loves, he he's such a l- fan of like the history of the game. So you could see he, it was quite nice in a way that Murray was like excited for Djokovic's achievement and to have been part of it, even though he was the, on the wrong side of it. But he was like, this is history. And he's kind of reminding the crowd that they should feel lucky to have witnessed something that is crazy it is a, it is a crazy achievement that is really nice yeah i mean it, it is a crazy achievement he's he's the eighth player to complete the career grand, grand slam uh, only the fourth since the 1960s that's yeah. agassi federer nadal and now djokovic as, as i said before that's the first time someone's won four in a row since the 1960s as well he's now pulled clear of bjorn borg to go fourth on the all-time list of of grand slam winners 12 uh, 12 with, with 12 yeah, yeah. We talked about this quite a lot last time, so I don't want to go into a big discussion about it. But you know, this thing about what does it mean for his 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 place in the in the pantheon? I think it's hard to think. I think it's hard to think at the moment that he's not going to go past seventeen. Or that I, I, it surely seems likely that he is going to go past seventeen. He's five away at the moment. He's won six of the last eight, so half of his twelve have been in the last yeah. two years. Yeah. If he does that again, it, you know, he'll, which is obviously a big if, but if he did do that again, he'd break Federer's record before uh, about a week after he turns 31. Um, right. And so even if he doesn't quite do that again, you know, yeah. by the end of 2018, you know, he's got 10 Grand Slam opportunities there. Is he not going to win six of those 10 at this point? Surely it seems likely. It does seem likely. I guess I wonder what was said in kind of 2007 which was probably, that was towards the end of Federer's kind of total dominance, 2005, 6, 7, where he's running like three a year. Then did people assume it would just carry on? I think Federer like, that assumed would, that it would he would carry still on. just get like three every year um, because they were sparse a couple of years after that. And when Nadal over, overtook and became world number one, then it was tougher. But with Djokovic... Yeah, just wait. Well, the thing I think you're right in that, um, as Tony says, Federer probably assumed it would it would go on. I think everyone assumed it would go on. Mm. Not many people thought. Certainly, when he won his 16th at the Australian Open in 2010, I think people thought he had a lot more still to come. But then what happened is that Djokovic came out of not not out of nowhere exactly because he was world number three, but suddenly this new force emerged. Yeah. So 
it could be that that happens again and yeah. that actually someone will come out of nowhere and you replace Djokovic. Though, but at the moment, yeah. it's hard to see. And it, it doesn't, it's not definitely going to happen just because right. it happened to Federer. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's the key point in favour of the argument that, yeah, Djokovic will do it is that, yeah, as you say, just as Federer could have gone on and got 18, 19, 20, you know, yeah, exactly. Murray and Djokovic, and particularly Djokovic, came so good. You know, Djokovic, he would say, you know, Federer and we'll probably talk about Nadal in a bit. You know, you could say are both well on their way out at the moment, as it, as it looks. Uh, Murray is going to be there for a couple more years at least. But, you know, Djokovic has got a golden chance now to, to clean up as he's done in, over the last four for the next four or five. Well, barring something extraordinary in terms of Djokovic's level dipping or an yeah. injury or Murray's level improving, you know, you'd have to say that, you know, Murray is going to find it very tough to beat him anywhere, really. Um, yeah, a, I think Murray can definitely beat him on grass. He has a, he, he's only played him twice on grass and won both. Murray is extremely good on grass. Like, and if he plays aggressively like he did when he beat Federer at the Olympics or in that final against Djokovic, when he totally outplayed him, I think... And Murray said the other day, I mean, he was talking about how proud he is of his clay performance because it was never a surface that came that naturally to him, even though he trained on it. But he says grass is so much more natural to him and like what he's comfortable on so i think that's his best i actually think that's his best shot for sure it's wimbledon again and i think i also think it's where Djokovic is actually most vulnerable because i think grass is the is the surface which is most prone to having upsets partly because of how if a huge server or something just has an incredible day like the example of anderson playing Djokovic was it last year being two sets to love up i just think Grass is is so dangerous. You can't see Djokovic on the Australian Open. Like how it's so steady mm. and so slow and just perfect for his game. Anything on hard court and on clay when he's got that level of fitness, that level of precision. But grass is kind of the still the the trickiest. I think I think, I think that's true. But even if even if he never wins another Wimbledon, yeah. he's only got to win the hard court slams. Yeah, three three times each. I mean, there's only. only that's the yeah. thing. But at the moment, it's very hard to see who's going to stop him doing that. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I kind of agree with you. Although, you know, go back to 2011-12 uh, uh, when he won three in a row, and then he didn't win. Then he, the next three, he didn't win any of. Uh, so, you know, it is possible for for him you know, to have a little off off trot but then again there's not the competition well because the people that I were mean, stopping Nadal, him doing Federer, that were, Murray, were exactly. Nadal, Federer and Murray and... but so many sportsmen you watch and you think like oh they're just incredible it's just going to keep on going and then a few years later you're thinking like well what, what happened no this is true yeah um, it's, it's very easy to and, get carried and he's away, only got to <laughs> yeah it's such fine lines he's only got to slip up like once in any of these tournaments what I always go on about and what is the most impressive thing about Djokovic is that you know, recently he's he's actually become vegetarian as well. Um, so he constantly tinkers with every single possible element of his life. Not not even just his tennis, but everything about it. Like how he arranges travel, his nutrition, his, I don't know, meditation or whatever. Just to be become more and more perfect in the game. And that doesn't bode... Doesn't bode that well for other players if he was kind yeah. of um he's still less into it getting better maybe with this he still yeah. thinks there's areas where he can yeah uh, increase his his percentages and that's I think phenomenal isn't it like like the thing of nadal there was a year that nadal won the french without dropping a set he did that twice 
but one year when he did it, apparently he was like seen on the practice courts like after the final, and he was like working on. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Fuck oh sake. god. So I apologise. <laughs> Well, this just, has been good. Uh, thanks for um, uh, thanks for tuning in. Just sat bolt upright in their baths. <laughs> yeah. So Nadal, one year, like won the French Open without dropping a set, and uh, was like after the final was seen kind of on the practice courts working on areas that he saw as weaknesses, and surely that it's that sort of thing which means like that's going to lead to greatness. Isn't it's it? the the complete dedication to your yeah. art, and I guess what's lucky for people like Djokovic and Nadal is that they're their art yeah. um, is something that is, you know, globally uh, popular and yeah. well well paid financially. It's yeah. occurred to me when uh, I was in Manchester at the weekend and walked past uh, one of those um, human statues. Yeah. Those people that just go out yeah, into yeah, like yeah. a city square, like usually Dressed in, in, gold, in paint, or yeah. Yeah, gold or something, yeah. and just stand there. And it, like... It's unbelievably impressive that this guy's just standing there, not doing anything. But exchange glances. I was like, "What's impressive about standing for well, like it's impressive, four no, hours?" It's, impressive. it's unbelievably impressive, impressive that he literally does not move at all. Looks like a statue, but at the same time, you're like, "You're wasting your life, though, mate, aren't you?" Like he's so dedicated to the art of standing still. Yeah, maybe he could have. Put that sort of that True. level you of see, you see sort of sort of gubbins of. that people perfect on like talent shows, like just totally random routines, rhythmic gymnastics as well. Uh, you know, it's just like a whole series of bizarre things. Like you, you liked, you loved Cirque du Soleil, didn't you? It's <laughs> basically just people stuff. doing random stuff really well. Have you ever seen it? No. <laughs> I've seen little clips of it. It's but. acrobatics. Yeah, I know, but... It's a bit different. If anyone's just from like, the Cirque du Soleil listening, wa- then I'd be delighted to be invited by you to, to go and witness yeah. it, but uh, yeah, I've never seen it. But you know what I mean? Rhythmic gymnastics is like, now let's throw a hoop. I was And then now let's throw impressed. a ball, and then let, let's twirl around and insert so But it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, now I'm going to use a unicycle and like throw pies. Or like, <laughs> like what... It's so random, like what, what... I have to say... I mean, it's amazingly well, impressive. Last time I watched Rhythmic Gymnastics, I was unbelievably impressed. Yeah. I couldn't believe what some of the things were happening. Yeah. Uh, like, chuck a ball sort of 30 yards into the air, do like oh, a million absurd. sort it, of uh, flips and rolls and stuff, and then catch it perfectly. It uh, is amazingly exactly, impressive. But yeah, you do think, use that athletic yeah. And, yeah. And, and aesthetic skill and hand-eye coordination everything and, to play yeah. tennis. Imagine or if tennis was marked aesthetically, which those things are, though. All those things are marked on, like, how well they're done. Well, Djokovic might not be... Djokovic uh, wouldn't top. be... No. I mean, still, I, mean it's, it, I always think it's a bit harsh on Djokovic to, to criticise the aesthetics of his game, because he's not... It's not bad, is it? It's just not... No, but... okay, He's, he's not Federer. We talk a lot about... Um, the place in terms of greatness, but we haven't talked as much about the place in terms of popularity. Can you ever see Djokovic being as popular as Federer, for example? It's just... It, well, the, definitely his, not, although he, no. he was very they, uh, very warmly received at Roland Garros. Yeah, well, I mean, they were egging him on big time, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. But, like, David Foster Wallace, like a very good writer, was mm-hmm. so, like, inspired watching Federer, like, at his best. He, like, wrote all this incredible prose about about that and interviewing, like, taxi drivers at the championships saying, like, you know, like, at its best, like, a, almost like a religious experience or, like, like, just someone being at the height of their powers doing that. Federer 
so literally inspired like has inspired poetry mm. Djokovic inspires analysis and I think that is almost that you know that will probably be a motivation for Djokovic won't it because you don't know what sort of what someone feels and thinks but you'd guess he probably feels a bit hard done by that he isn't celebrated in quite the same way because you know when you're playing a game you feel like you're you know, particularly if you're winning as many grand slams as he is you probably feel like you're doing just about yeah. as much as you can do definitely so if he surpasses Federer statistically yeah. then then he is you know uh, people will always probably say Federer is the greatest for Djokovic to get to 18 we're yeah. just you know he's he's peerless then yeah in terms it'll of become a thing of like yeah he's like the best but not my you know not the favorite or not the one who like most gave people most joy potentially or more the, the most people the most joy I was just thinking actually on that thing of uh like inspiring people how excited they'd get, you know, um, the buzz around it, you know, and this sort of stuff that was between like 2004, 2007 with Federer. Like Muhammad Ali dying recently, it was kind of famous for, he was famous in a way for how well sports writers, certain sports writers would write about him because of what he was like. You know what I mean? Because of his, well, I guess in that case, it's more like personality, but also kind of style and like the way he'd dance around the ring and all sorts of stuff it kind of inspired some like amazing and yeah. quite famous articles it brought out the best in yeah, exactly. you know, in in the writers as well um, you know which Djokovic maybe doesn't as evidenced by this podcast yeah in terms of popularity he's well, he's still not he doesn't do anything wrong but it's just you know did you see this thing when there was a rain delay and he like grabbed an umbrella from like a woman in the stands and he was kind of like twirling it around and going thing it's just neil from the office He's like, oh, I want to be popular as a new boss. Oh, love me. Pathetic. But he's, he's sort of, Neil in the office is like, there's something about him that is... Exactly, he doesn't do anything wrong. Not like, he's, he's actually, like, on, the sur- on the face of yeah. it, he's a, he's a good guy, he's a good boss, he should be very likable, yeah. but somehow he's no, not. No, Djokovic is Neil, because ex- Neil's good at his job as well. Yeah. And yet... You're somehow, re- just, you're somehow rooting for... I'm not saying that Federer is Brent. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. He's the Brent. But, in this uh, and the other one, kind of linked, well, similar... It's Nadal Gareth. ...themed comedy. It was the... We're talking about... Um, it's a, a Spinal Tap reference. The bassist in Spinal Tap saying... Derek Smalls. Saying, yeah, saying, um, like, the two members, other members of the band. So it'd be, like, uh, Nigel and David, whatever. Um, Nigel so, and David. Yeah. When he watched it two hundred times. Yeah, so it's like they're like uh fire and ice. So it's like there's like Federer and Nadal, like fire and ice, like two two mavericks, and he sees himself as somewhere in between those, something like lukewarm water. <laughs> <laughs> That's Djokovic. Perfectly he's like a perfect, perfect bath. bath. Yes. <laughs> Djokovic is the bath of men's tennis perfectly he's like a he's like one of those it all comes sens- back to bath he's like a sensory deprivation chamber where everything's perfectly balanced but actually you're kind of bored achieved, but <laughs> you yeah, get you, bored you, after a while yeah, you don't feel anything no. but at least you're not lying no sweating as i am in in my baths with, <laughs> yeah. with it's not an dark. ice bath and it's not a hot tub it's just so what is that is it a cold shower i mean we could extend this metaphor endlessly but <laughs> Yeah. A yeah. cold shower. What does that make Hewitt? 
Uh, a foot bath, <laughs> like a sort of one of those ones where the fish nibble you. You know, I think yeah, Federer would be like an experienced shower. You know, it's that place like sort of like a rainforest. Like, yeah, rainforest because yeah. you just yeah, yeah, it's just nature at its most sort of pure, but yeah, pure and yeah. perfect. It'd be like a, a thermal pool somewhere in Iceland. So that's Djokovic. I mean, in terms of Murray, like, unbelievable effort to get to the final. I mean, yeah. when he had those two five setters at the start of the first week, you know, I was writing him off. I, I sent a message to you saying, you did. He, that's I, him, gone. I think I disagreed at the time, didn't I? I think you did, yeah, but we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> okay. Only because, and there's a, there's a fine line, because too much of a battle early on, or too many battles early on, and you think physically, especially on clay, they're going to struggle. I mean, Murray's such an unbelievable athlete now that that potentially isn't so much of a problem, but still not ideal. But the actual thing of getting through a battle like that, I think sets them up quite well for the next um, matches. Because Murray's draw was really interesting because he had weird players. He had Stepanek, who's just unique, really, in men's tennis now, uh, his game style. Then who's he have after Stepanek? Borg. Oh, yeah, Borg. Unbelievable. Uh, he's one of those classic ones. We're going to be seeing a lot more of him. Like, fast forward five years, it's like probably, well, he does Borg. seem very good. Or like Bjorn. Russell. You know, yeah, when, yeah. when Russell beat Nadal, it was like, well, yeah. there's a new world number one, yeah. future world number yeah. one. This is a, a, yeah, and it's yeah. not unique to tennis, but yeah. certainly punditry in tennis revolves a lot around bigging up players who've just won yeah. and assuming yeah. they're going to go on and win loads. Yeah. They do. Yeah, that's that, it is just that phrase, isn't it? We're going to be seeing a lot more of, you know, Stefan Milovic. And you're just like... <laughs> Um, um, so Borg will be seeing a lot more of, and well, he, um, he he gave him a, a hard time. Yeah, so, so he had the reason these... I was writing him off is because yeah. one five setter. Yeah, I agree that yeah. that should set them up, but two. Yeah. Does that just take too much so out of him? He had he had the weird match Stepanek. Then he had this one where it's someone playing kind of <clears> out of their skin, and Murray was definitely a bit off. At one point, he lost Borg won twenty two out of twenty five points, like in one stretch, which is very very rare. Um, but then it was interesting because then he had the two biggest servers in tennis back to back. Isner and Karlovic. Isner and Karlovic. Um, he's the Murray's returns are just phenomenal. So that was he was kind of lapping that up. I think you've got to appreciate how good Murray is to play those two with just. I mean, would you want to return those serves? <laughs> like <a laughs> I don't split. think I'd even see it's, it. It's less alone. than it's like point four of a second to react to like you know someone who's like seven foot tall. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's I wouldn't, just insane. I mean, I struggle with a Tony Kerr serve at times. <laughs> yeah, if, he, if he ever man. gets one in, pretty big. But yeah. I mean, I would struggle to get to the serve, let alone do anything with I know, it. Where he'll just like, like even like put it, yeah, you because know, otherwise it'll just loop up and it's just an easy put away. Yeah. So Phenomenal. Then, it was, that's what I mean, that the pattern was weird, because then he played those two back-to-back, uh, did brilliantly. And by that time, you're thinking, actually, no, he's back on track now, isn't it? Presumably, you were less scared. I was saying point. he's going to win it. But then also, the next two were, were kind of mirrors as well. Gasquet and Vavrinka, the two best single-handers. Federer as well, mm. maybe he's got more variety or something. But he's in terms of, player. like, famous shot-making flair... Gasquet followed by Vavrinka. Vavrinka's probably like just a slightly better version of Gasquet. He's got a better forehand. Amazing to see Gasquet playing some of the tennis he played. Like the single hander. I don't have a single hander. I sometimes wish I did because it is just phenomenal when when you see it. It's it, is it the is it the, the the best thing to watch in tennis when it's really. I think going? it might. Be. I, I mean, I don't have a single hander or a double hander really on the backhand side. You just yeah. run round it. I just I run round. Yeah. Or that, just leave but it. actually, because that is, my, I think, still just my favourite shot in tennis to watch. The inside-out forehand. Yeah. And certainly, like, the Federer inside-out forehand, that is, that's the, the pinnacle of tennis for me. 
But the the single handed backhand, the Gasquet, Vavrinka, or Federer single handed yeah. backhand, I think is is very very close second. And when they just unleash it, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, really give but it some. People do tend to think overall that the double hander is is sort of better. It's like more steady. It's safer. And there are more players who who use it, I guess, because yeah. of that. Although team Dominic teams are a pretty exciting prospect. Although obviously Djokovic took care of him very easily but he out of those young out of those young players he he does seem like the the best the best of them doesn't he and uh, pretty impressive so he you what he made he got semis, semi-final yeah. yeah and yeah another another single hander it is good to see Gasquet getting involved isn't it because for so long he would always just be there and thereabouts in the sort of third round wouldn't he yeah around there and it would be sort of fodder for for people, just you know, what is he? He's gone semi-final, quarter-final. Yeah. It wasn't at the Australian Open, but I love uh, quarter-final. So yeah. yeah, he's 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 getting he's going deeper into tournaments yeah. regularly now, which is which is cool. I, I like him. I did think I like him a lot. Yeah, I did think uh, Murray's tactics against him were amazing, though. They're just the the drop shots, some of the drop shots that Murray played in this drop tournament. Shot, good drop shots are great to watch. Absolutely, as well. Djokovic's incredible. backhand drop shots pretty phenomenal. I mean, if if, if Murray. I know that there's a long way to go, but bear with me here for a second. If if Murray can never find a way past Djokovic and he finishes with two Grand Slam titles, you know, would that be maybe one of the most sort of, you know, one of the least fair ratios of potential to success in sporting history? Because I mean, you think about some of the players in the past who have won more than two Grand Slam titles, and surely Murray should be in the, you know, should should be in their company at, at Definitely, least. Definitely, yeah. He, even though people know he's a very good tennis player, not the extreme version of like the 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 lack of respect for Henman, but with Murray, I don't think people realise quite how phenomenal he is. Only because they they also probably don't realise just how impossibly good Djokovic is. So the thing of lots of people, um, lots of people saying like, oh yeah, he's got rid of Moresmo, like it just wasn't working. It's just like, what do you mean it wasn't working? And there was a lot of nonsense written about that, and people saying like it was really. There was a lot of uh, there were problems between them, and it wasn't a very you know yeah, what's the word harmonious was, yeah, yeah like kind of, but it, I think it was, and Murray did incredibly well with um, Moresmo. He yeah, just so, didn't oh, he's only beat Djokovic. Getting, he's only it. getting to the Grand Slam finals. It's, yeah. yeah, not really good enough. I mean, there's an argument for him being the greatest ever British athlete in an individual sport. Yeah, I think he's got to be up there. Just oh, well, I think in any sport, he, he, he's comfortably... That's an interesting thought. I'd never really... He's by distance. It, well, he's comfortably... In the, that doesn't make sense, it, by distance. He's definitely in the top ten, probably the top five. Yeah. And there's a very strong argument, isn't there, for, for number one? If he if he can get through Djokovic in the final at any point in the next while, it's just it's probably it's just the biggest thing in... It's it. It's the Djokovic in sport ever. is like... It's like he's, Barcelona at their best. Well, yeah, he's like, or, well, yeah, I was going to say, he's almost like Schumacher, isn't he? Yeah. In terms of in what Schumacher did yeah. uh, in the you know, early 2000s, what did he win? Yeah. Six in six or five or six titles in a row. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and it, just the way he did it, you know, he wasn't very pop. He was popular because winners are always popular. And people, yeah. you know, people had unbelievable amounts of respect, but no one saw him and sort of thought, yeah, well, no one was excited by his driving style. Mm. He'd sort of, he, you know, whereas he perhaps was a bit more excited. See, another Djokovic analogy. The, exactly, yeah. yeah. He, Schumacher, like, Neil from the office. <laughs> Barnes. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. As you're saying about Murray, this Murray-Djokovic thing, what is it, six finals in a row now? Murray's last six finals have been against Djokovic, but he's won two of them. Mm. Surely Murray has to win the Aussie Open at some point. He's been in a lot of finals. He's too he? good. 
on that surface to not to not do that. Yeah, five Aussie Open finals. Looking ahead to Wimbledon, then, as this is our Wimbledon preview. I mean, we, I don't know if you could necessarily bet against another Murray Djokovic final, especially because Federer and Nadal both struggling with injuries, and in fact, Nadal struggling so much that we can exclusively break the news yeah. that he is not going to be at Wimbledon. He's pulled out today, as we're recording this. Um, Federer currently is saying that he is going to play, but. You know, even if he does play, you'd imagine he's not going to be at his best because he's not played a lot of tennis in the last few months. Not really played much tennis this year. So you know, there's there's a, a there's a couple of good tennis players gone. Um, so <laughs> decent, <laughs> decent so, swingers of the racket. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to preview this properly because we're still a couple of weeks out from the start, and you know, we haven't seen Queens yet and, yeah. and that sort of thing. But um, but yeah, another Murray Djokovic final has, has got to be a distinct possibility. Yeah. I mean, are there are there any other players that you think on grass? I think Raonic. Okay. I think for some reason, I mean, Raonic, he was pretty disappointing at the French, wasn't it? Who did he got beaten by remember. someone in straight sets, didn't he? Uh, Ramos Vinolas. Ramos Vinolas. Two four four. It's a weird another one, player isn't it? that I'd never really <laughs> yeah, heard yeah. of before, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But on grass, you think? I think, story. yeah, for sure. And also, because he was pretty brilliant at the Aussie Open, wasn't he, Raonic, until that match with Murray, where he was still playing well, and he got injured, and it was close. Um, I think Raonic on grass We know is... who he's got on as a coach now as well. John McEnroe. Yeah, that's quite interesting. At least it? for the grass court season. You've got to imagine Raonic is going to come good, at, particularly at Wimbledon, I think at some point soon. He's so well-suited to it. Yeah, and he's so confident of his abilities around it. If you hear him in interviews and things, he, he kind of... I think he's one of those people... I remember John McEnroe is famous for, I think at least for most of his career, he he had the attitude, and he said in his book as well, that he never felt that he was beaten because the other guy was better. It was because like he did something wrong that day. Whatever. And I sometimes feel that Raonic is almost a bit like that. Like he, in it, the way he does interviews and stuff, he's like, you know, I was a bit off. Like my, you know, felt a bit injured. He, he, and maybe that will help him actually because he's got this total self belief. And with the, that serve on grass. Well, um, presumably McEnroe then sort of sees something in Raonic that he identifies yeah. with. And I think if if he, like, I think McEnroe is quite excited about Raonic's potential. And if, if he's excited, you'd imagine, you know, there's a reason for it. I, yeah. It would be a shame if he's not on TV. I don't know if he's going to be in the, in oh, the yeah, commentary true. box. Because yeah. uh, I, I, well, I don't know what you think, but for me, he's one of the best commentators slash pundits in, in, in any sport. Him, Michael Johnson in athletics and maybe uh, Atherton. I mean, yeah, Ranic, what he third round last year, you'd think sort of draw, depend, you know, if he gets the right draw, he yeah. could go a fair amount further than that this year. Who else can you... I don't know, I, Vavrinka, I, I, Vavrinka can do well. Vavrinka, I think Gasquet as well. Well, Gasquet. there's potentially, yeah, with, with as you said, Federer uh, looking a bit dodge and, and Nadal gone. Not, you know, not that Nadal's had a you know, particularly good time of it, I guess, recently. But yeah, there's, there's still, there's, there's, there's openings, aren't there, in the quarterfinals, for sure. Well, one of the things we talked about before, just about players... You know, winning something and then being uh, anointed like the next great superstar, like Marin Cilic. Yeah. It's like a classic example of that. When he won the US Open, everyone was like, well, he is the next number one. Didn't happen. Didn't happen, did it? And he's been. That yeah. was weird how well he played that one yeah. That one tournament, wasn't it? He just killed everyone. There's often something, it often happens at Wimbledon as well. Jerzy Janowicz. Yeah. Was that two or three years ago? Got to yeah. the semi final. Yeah, um, another huge serve. I haven't really seen a lot of him since. So there, there'll probably be someone from left field. I mean, what, what, what about Kyrgios? Is, is his game yeah. suited to grass, do you think? I think Kyrgios can, is another threat. Looking at Maybe and, Anderson as well. Like Anderson mm. is dangerous on grass always, I think. On the women's side, I mean, Muguruza won in Paris. 
That's, I like her. I think she's good. She's an exciting player, isn't she? And, and she beat Serena Williams in the final, and that's the third Grand Slam in a row that Serena hasn't won. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that? Do you think that's just a blip, or is she just beginning to fade a little bit? I mean, she still got to the, the semi-finals of the US and the final of the Australian and the French, yeah. so she's she's still doing okay, isn't she? But you know, do, yeah. do you think it is the case that there are there is now a new crop of players coming through? You know, your Magaruthas. Uh, your Ben Chiches, I guess. Uh, is, yeah. Are there players coming through now who actually can beat her? I think regularly. she. I think actually she has choked to some degree in a couple of the matches. But I think with uh, Muguruza, I think she was actually Muguruza. played. She played really. Uh, she played really uh, inspired tennis, didn't she? And she actually kind of outpowered Williams, which was quite amazing to see because you don't you often, don't often see, that. see that. You don't see that. You don't see that every day. I said. I said out loud as I was watching it. Yeah, but I mean, you'd still think Serena on grass. Serena. Okay, so you're talking about the Djokovic overtaking Federer thing. Serena to become the the player with the most grants. Surely that's still very much. Mm. I, I again, them, I mean, I, I think. Well, yeah, Djokovic. <clears throat> you know, maybe for the next couple, but by the time he gets to sort of four and then the fifth. To level, it's good. Everyone is going to get much harder. Yeah, and I think for Serena now, yeah, it's, Serena it's, needs it the next year. Yeah, she needs or, it because it's just going to get harder and harder and harder very, yeah. very quickly. Well, how many is she behind at the moment? She's on twenty-one, isn't she? I think she needs um, two, doesn't she? So twenty-two equals graphs, yeah. um, and then to, so to two surpass. To surpass that. But yeah. I mean, some people love Serena's game, and they, you know, it, it is amazing, like the way the way she plays the game, how she changed women's tennis and things, but. She is. She must be the best female player ever, really. Like in terms of, again, that head thing of like head. put them in the same era. It's just a totally different sport. Like the way she plays it, and also this thing of you know, which, which we mentioned, that she has had periods where she basically hasn't focused on it that much, or she's had like mm. a year off when she's kind of done other stuff. She wasn't that compared to someone like Djokovic. She wasn't that kind of all in actually at times. You know what I mean? It. it I suppose it came that easily to her. She sort of felt she could pursue other things and, yeah. and still I do think you're right and as Tony says I think if you if you put her head to head against anyone yeah. from history you would make her the favorite but you know it's possible that she's been she has been dominant through some not fantastic eras of women's tennis because there was a time in about 2005 6 7 where women's tennis was really strong you had people like Enna and Kleisters yeah. Resmo um Lindsay Davenport was still playing and actually the Grand Slams were shared around quite a lot. And she, yeah. Serena wasn't winning all of those. No. Anna and Klaus just won a lot, didn't they? And, yeah. Um, but then in recent years, maybe the competition's not been there in quite the same way. I don't know. But then I argued against that when Federer, <laughs> when we yeah, talking about and Federer's also I think, era you of, know, of not being so strong. It's so. hard to judge. Yeah, was has Serena got better mm. or has the competition got worse? I don't know. I think Serena has got better yeah. with age. So, yeah. So I, I still think you'd, you'd make her a big favourite for Wimbledon and it would be a surprise if she didn't do it but then you know Heather almost beat her last year yeah so uh, anything's possible I mean let's let's have some let's have some Wimbledon <laughs> memories some favourite matches some favourite moments you bloody know, love Wimbledon that time love when Wimbledon a, that time when a pigeon landed on the court do you remember that oh, unforgettable scene yeah, I mean unforgettable. both of you have been to British. Wimbledon I think I mean, you've, yeah, you've both I've been. been yeah I've been a few times you've done some media work there Tony yeah actually yeah I love what I like is when people go to Wimbledon um which is fair enough, but they like love the atmosphere, love everything. But you I frequently speak to people who are like, Oh, Wimbledon. Bloody love Wimbledon. You're like, who do you see? It's like to be honest, I got a load <laughs> yeah. I got a load of pims <laughs> and I fell asleep on Hendon Hill. 
and I woke up sunburned. Yeah. And they're like, it's a great day. But it is. It's phenomenal. It's the most British thing in the world. Of a cer- it's of a certain certain type of Britishness. But it is it is funny. It's just great, isn't it? Like the yeah. you know atmosphere. What, you know what's one of the best moments of the year? The first time you hear this. But join in, everyone. No, in the bar. Yeah, I have been a few times now, and I. I comfortably prefer that days one and two and watching the tennis on the outer courts. Even if you're only watching, you know. I sort of like watched Raonic a couple of years ago, or just on a cut on a. On a yeah. and it had to resort to Raonic, yeah. You know, only Raonic. Well, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Only Raonic yeah. on like the outer. But yeah, yeah. everyone's like, oh, I've got my, uh, yeah, I've got my centre court ticket for day one, and you end up watching like from quite a long way away. You know, yeah. probably a, a, quite a comfortable straight set victory. Whereas you get on the outer courts, Those it's ones brilliant you, when you can just walk in between yeah. the courts and, and you're, you're just literally, literally yeah. you're sat on like a, on a, just a garden bench with a plummet of strawberries <laughs> yeah, and a pilot lager and a big smile on and uh, yeah, the, you know the, the actions unfolding <laughs> literally. I mean, you, you could go down and watch, just go down to the leisure centre and watch and watch someone playing tennis for, yeah. for the same distance. It's just amazing. It's, and, and day one as well, when the, the courts are immaculate, yeah. the grass is green, there's no... Yeah, it's just so good. It's pain, it's hilariously middle class as well, isn't it? Oh, Wimbledon. painful. Like, yeah. I've never seen someone, like, drinking a, a red stripe at Wimbledon, <laughs> eating a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what the working yeah, class no. eat. No, yeah. Greg's is notable by his absence. <laughs> it was like Greg's concession. Um... But the uh, yeah, as you met, you referenced the pigeons before. That is a, a classic thing, is it? Like a, you know, pigeon will do a pigeon will appear, and people grab it being just about the funniest yeah, thing. Yeah, like, oh, pigeon. The tittering. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like you can and when you watch on TV, you can hear the tittering, and then you know that the camera's going to cut. And they're like the, the commentators allude to something that's happening, and then the camera yeah. cuts. Just a pigeon is just flying off. You, you like, know, oh. there's like an official Wimbledon bird of prey though, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, like belongs. Uh, and it chases, it's supposed to chase away the pigeon. So clearly, it was having a should have been fired. <laughs> if, <laughs> if a, yeah. The pigeon landed in the court, and everyone was tittering, and then this huge like eagle swoops down, tears it apart, <laughs> and just all its viscera and just guts, the tittering away, the court. die away a little bit, re- to be replaced by. I mean, howls two, of two of the best weeks of the year. Tears. Wimbledon. Oh yeah. But they got one thing for me though. They've got to get rid of the rest day. Oh, absolutely! On the Sunday, yeah, the middle yeah. Sunday, because that's, that's a day when you can actually watch Absurd, a lot of tennis. Isn't it? It's if you're going to so make a rest day, make it on a day when people can't go. Yeah, and, make yeah. it Monday. But, yeah. I mean, don't have one, but if you're going to have one, make it Monday. They've got to get rid of that as soon as possible, and they've got to get rid more. of the two day at Wimbledon thing. Was it two day? <laughs> yeah. Which is staggeringly <laughs> Wimbledon two day, which replaced the. So, well, but we don't know what they're, what's going on this year. I don't know. Yeah, they don't find out. Well, I'll try and find out. So it was Wimbledon two day. Was presented by Claire Balding, who I like. But she replaced John Inverdale, who then got quite upset about it and did a lot of tweeting. Uh, but yeah, it was just her in a weird little room, wasn't it? And it just like an outdoor it was so bar. flat. I yeah. loved the old today at Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. just I loved on the, the old reef, today. just dusky. What, talking about Wimbledon, I was yeah. so angry about Wimbledon today last year. We went like, one. I, I can't remember being that exercised. About <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people might think, you know, maybe I could devote some of that passion. Like that guy who stands still for a job. Yeah, uh, I could devote some of that passion to something more 
you know, meaningful. But I love it because when you've been at Wimbledon, it's amazing kind of at dusk as well, isn't it? That's the best time it's of day. so good. Oh, and there's, Wimbledon. <laughs> and there's still, there's like still stuff going on, but the light's fading a bit. You're just catching the last, you yeah, see some most, quality doubles or something. Exactly. And most people have gone. Most people have gone or they're drunk. <laughs> yeah. Or And everyone, ga- yeah, obviously, you know, there's, there's often sort of one match that's uh, yeah, alive and you go and everyone gathers around and you can't get in, you can't see anything because everyone's got their first. Yeah. It's great. I, I was lucky enough to go to semi-finals day uh, and to see Djokovic Del Potro, which was unbelievable. And oh then my God, Murray what a that, match. Good, but that, that was just astonishing. Were, were you rooting for Del Potro? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. yeah but oh, it was just, it was, yeah, it was, an, it was an unbelievable match. Yeah. 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 If I see a better yeah, match in amazing. person, then I'll, yeah, I'll be amazing. very lucky, that's I think. That's one of your, yeah, your favourite Wimbledon memories. This is a new segment on the show, Wimbledon memories. <laughs> Wimbledon memories. Whenever I think of Wimbledon, I instantly think of revision. I just did all Still my trying revision. Still to pass those GCSEs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, oh, crap, I've yeah. not revised this year either. Um, but no, it's just, that was it, wasn't it? You have the tennis on. The and revision so... spread out in front of you and, you know, just watching the tennis. Well, you, yeah, exactly. I, I had to have the tennis on. But not the revision. So I'll just have it on in the background. But also, you know, you know, we grew up in an era, the pre-iPhone, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, so like going, get, you know, getting home from school and just being like, oh, you know, what's happened? Yeah. We didn't have computers at school, to be fair. <laughs> going back, you'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> transport as well. We're walking home. <laughs> Or get, get off the horse-drawn car. Yeah, by the, the walk past mother, the kid. Mother, mother, <laughs> what's been happening at Wimbledon? Walk past the kid who's delivering the hovis. And what's news what from Wimbledon? <laughs> you won't believe it, son. Go to the cinema. Lendl is out. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it was Sampras Lendl, I think. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. The classic joke you've all been waiting for. <laughs> you wanted it to go in late. And also, it's like, you know, when there's a bit of rain around as well, then it creates that, you know, the people's Monday or Tuesday oh. or... Mm. Yeah, as long as Cliff Richard doesn't start exactly, all that stuff, but that, or that's Djokovic great. twirling an umbrella. Uh, I, was, I think it's, I, I felt a bit bad because I, I mentioned to uh, a friend of the show, Gordon McRae, about Wimbledon memories and said about the revision, and he reminded me that uh, you know because although I watched Wimbledon instead of revising, you know I still, I still aced all my exams, of course. But uh, we always talk about this tone that that time when <laughs> <laughs> me, you, and Gordon came out of our maths exam, you know, all shaking our heads and going, "That was so." Bad. I went so badly uh, and absolutely terrified about what the results are going to be. And when it came to it, papers handed back. Uh, me and Tony had both got like 85% or something. Gordon, 30% had to drop down a set next year. He was relegated. Uh, and that was, you know, that was because of Wimbledon, I think. It's a Wimbledon moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some great matches for me. Henman Ivanisevic, 2001, of course. That's a big famous moment where... The rain, you know, the rain came at the wrong time and denied Henman a Wimbledon final. Do you remember from that same year, Federer beating Sampras? Yeah. And I think, was it the quarterfinal or the fourth round? But that was, although no one quite knew what was, you know, no one quite knew what they had on their hands in terms of Federer. Still, there was a feeling of changing of the guard at that point. Well, Federer, I love the fact that Federer beat Sampras and then lost to Henman. Federer was then knocked out by Henman. I think Federer lost the first seven professional matches he played to Henman. And then, I, I, I think this is true, Henman then lost the next seven and then promptly retired, <laughs> which is genius. Level head yeah, to yeah. head. Yeah. Like level head to head. He should have stopped one before, shouldn't he? Yeah. But well, there was a great bit. It's uh, like when you, yeah. It was at Wimbledon in like 2007 or 2008 maybe where Henman interviewed Federer and he said, I just want to uh, start things by uh, asking you if you can remember who the last player to beat you at Wimbledon was, and Federer kind of looked at him blankly and went, 
Uh, Mario and Chich, I think, who yeah, beat yeah, him in which 2002. Is right. And yeah. Henry was like, oh, I forgot about yeah. that. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Chich, my God. Some other, mem- some other match. I really enjoyed watching Federer Beneteau the other, the other year. Do you remember that? That was a five-setter, yeah. wasn't that it? That was a five-setter, yeah. and I watched it on my phone in, my, in the car at the airport. Uh, so that was great. Uh, watching Murray win Wimbledon mm. at Cafe Rouge in Gatwick Departures. Oh, uh, yeah. Next, with a German. Uh, I, that was fun. Yeah. I watched Murray beat Djokovic. Um, it was brilliant because they put up all these screens around London, you know, these big communal, big screens everywhere. And it's just great atmosphere, really hot day, people everywhere, and just spilling out into the roads. Um, absolutely brilliant. I was wearing flip-flops and one of them <clears> broke. <throat> and I was in this weird situation where I had to go into a shoe shop to buy shoes without wearing shoes. You know what I mean? So I literally needed some shoes. <laughs> but then I didn't like any of them, and I was, it was bizarre because they were like, "Yeah, I like that image that you, you know, that it's." I went they in and they're like, thought. "Yeah, yeah, they're like just going needs shoes." <laughs> yeah. Like the first, I'm probably the first person ever to go into the shoe shop actually needing some shoes. <laughs> but I looked at them, I was like, "Yeah, I'll think about it." And I just like, walked I out. Like that they thought that maybe you'd gone right. I need some new shoes, so you'd taken yours off and thrown them away. Yeah, yeah. I won't be needing those anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heather Watson last year against Serena. It's a bitter sweet. Yeah. Because it was an amazing match. But watched that in a pub in Jersey. And, uh, yeah, the Jersey... He gets around, doesn't he? Jersey crowd were cheering on Heather, which, you know, as a Guernsey girl, that was quite a remarkable nice. thing. Other matches. Barry right. Cowans, do you remember that? Yeah. That, that was another late night one after school. Actually, and as well, going on a uh, biology field trip in sixth form to Slapton Lee. And they've got like a sort of warehouse, sort of... It was almost like an animal shed sort of warehouse where everyone went to hang out. And there's a TV and a pool table and whatnot. Uh, and but uh, sort of, you know, having to do biology all week, which is really annoying. Uh, but we were there for the whole second week and just seeing Sharapova win and win and win and win, and then getting to watch her in the final in that shed. That was pretty special because cool. I think we were, she was exactly the same age as us. Yeah, she's in our year. Yeah, school. She, was, she, wasn't, she wasn't in our year. <laughs> school, but yeah, she was. Yeah, uh, yeah but cool. yeah, well, she was the same. Yeah. She was the same age as us. So it was like it was amazing. It was just like oh, this is incredible. And that was a huge. That was an incredible achievement, wasn't it? Sharp over winning Wimbledon. Yeah, at seventeen. Yeah, she used to copy my work. That I mean, that obviously I guess was a you know that's probably her career highlight. I don't think she's she hasn't beaten Serena since then, has she? But I mean, she has won. More Grand Slams, but uh, but yeah, now things maybe at a, at a at a much more low point because she's just been banned for two years. Yeah. Um. This this after well, I mean, everyone knows that she she, she uh, tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. Uh, so yeah, she was uh, received her ban a couple of days ago as we're recording this. Immediately said that she was appealing it, didn't she? Okay. Wasn't the ruling that they decided that it wasn't intentional? As far as I understand it, yeah, um, and that because of that, she thinks that it's too harsh a punishment. But then they've they've held her like a hundred percent accountable in the sense that she should have known that it was on the banned substances list. But they said they I think they accept her story that she didn't know that she hadn't realised she hadn't read the email. Yeah, uh, and so they they are saying yeah she didn't intentionally take a banned substance but but she is accountable because she should have she should have read the email she should have known yeah. i mean what do you think is a two-year ban too long not long enough the right length of time well i mean there were the longer bans were being talked about weren't they four, when the, when the first years. thing broke yeah. yeah so i mean uh four years would be game over wouldn't it like if it had been yeah four. i mean yeah i think you know having said that we're in the same school year as as maria uh you can guess our age and 
and her age is 29. So <laughs> <laughs> take a wild guess. Uh, well, actually, we're not. Tw- neither of us are 29. So right, you're just. And if I had a four-year ban now, I'd still feel <laughs> that still I had many years left to to get the Wimbledon title. I mean, yeah. Do, I mean, if you're her, okay. Assuming that the, the appeal doesn't happen or doesn't work, and she is banned for two years, do you give up? Do you chuck in the the racket? I don't think so. I think two years probably not. But I mean, and that's why, in a sense, it's not actually short for cash. I mean, obviously, you know, there's no sort of professional imperative for it to come. I, th- I think, in some ways, it's a bigger thing than people realise because she has been for the last ten years. I think it's nine of them. She's been the world's highest-paid sports female athlete, sport, fe- female sports, sports athlete. female athlete, <laughs> female <laughs> sportswoman. Um, yeah, but uh, which is amazing, isn't it? Like, yeah, because she's not been she's. She'd be in the top ten women's yeah. players of the last decade, but, but yeah, not, not probably not in the that, top yeah. five, I guess. Yeah, maybe in the top five. Yeah, probably in the top five. She's got to win number one before, hasn't she? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that whispered off mic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut that bit. He has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> she's <won> number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually been number one for the last four years. Um, but no, she uh, with all her endorsements. All her you know sponsorships and everything. She, I think, by some way as well, she's been she's been the top paid um, female sports. Well, actually, star. I mean, the the whole thing about the sponsors has been really interesting in that some have pulled out, yeah. some have stuck by her head. The racket yeah. manufacturers they've they're still sticking by. They her, came but, under fire. But others they? have pulled out. Well, Andy Murray, who's also a head client, yeah, he uh, he was very critical of that decision. I mean, I don't know. I I I feel a little bit manipulated. And in that her press conference where she, you know, she wanted to get in front of it. And yeah, she wanted to own the story. She wanted to own the story and, and shape the story and announce it to the world that this had happened. Um, and I remember sending you a message saying, where I, I, you know, saying in the aftermath that I thought there'd been a huge overreaction in the press. Um, you know, and saying uh, one of the headlines was like, a, a glittering career comes crashing down and this kind of stuff. Because I believed her story that, you know, that this was just something that she'd been taking for her health and that it was just an oversight that she hadn't seen that it was going to be banned because it was legal for you know the 10 years the first 10 years of her career yeah and i thought that there'd been an overreaction because you know other sports people have done something similar or missed tests like rio ferdinand missed the drugs test and was banned for a while and no one even remembers that now yeah um, christina hurugu missed a drugs test and had a ban and you know then went on to win olympic gold and people don't talk about that anymore so I thought that it should be probably bracketed in that sort of category. But actually, when you see the details from this report, this drug is not licensed in the USA. So doctors can't prescribe this in the USA. So she had to go to Russia to get it. If she genuinely did have a medical condition that meant that she needed to take it, there are other drugs in the USA that she could have been prescribed. So she's going to, the, to Russia to get this drug, presumably because she knows that it's performance-enhancing. There's emails from her doctor, you know, saying, giving her timings when she should take it, like, as in just before she plays, basically. So while it wasn't illegal because it wasn't banned, she did know what she was doing. So to sort of come out and say that this was about her health and sort of portray herself as, oh, she was just a bit forgetful, as though it was like a vitamin supplement that Mm. she 
Um, it was a it bit was, dubious, though, as it well. It was all unintentional. I don't know. I just I don't buy that anymore. I, I feel like she's manipulated us a bit. Because also, it seemed a bit vague about what she was talking about, which her symptoms were, which led to it, and that there was family risk of diabetes and things. But then she said, I had problems with breathing. It, it seemed a little bit vague. But also then various doctors came out saying, this is something that you take sort of very briefly. Yeah. Uh, and usually, she's been on I think. It for years. And she had 10 years that she's been, like... Meldonium, it's called. Kind of... An interesting side effect of this um, is that apparently <clears throat> meldonium has been absolutely flying off the sh- off, <laughs> off the shelves wherever um, around the world. It's been like a sort of accidental, amazing advert for for the drug, which is kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, well, and it's mostly Russian athletes. Like there have been quite a few people that have been caught out taking meldonium, yeah. and it's mostly Russian athletes. And given everything that's happened in terms of, you know, the Russian Athletics Federation and stuff like that, you yeah. know, that does immediately ring alarm bells, I think. Do, do you remember Do you remember the Gasquet incident? Because yeah. Gasquet was almost banned for cocaine. His story was that he thinks it was from kissing someone <laughs> in a club. <laughs> so he, he kissed um, a woman in yeah, a nightclub. But it was strange because they said that the amount of cocaine would be, sort of, I think it was they're saying less or substantially less than a single grain of salt like fine grain of salt. So maybe he was actually, that that was the case, but, but it, difficult it does, to know how else you get that tiny <laughs> amount of... It also it makes, landed on him. wiping like a, a, 50, <laughs> a 50 pound note across your just nose. scratching his nose. Just like scratching it <laughs> casually. I, I, I think the whole, the drugs thing, I don't know, you know, we need a f- an open and frank discussion about it, don't we? The word, a root Talk to Frank. Did you, did you frank. Have, yeah. There was a great Dom Jolly article once about, um, he said... There should be an al- either an alternate sports world or just there should be unlimited, just whatever drugs you want. Because he said, imagine how good it would be to watch. Like, oh, I love watching someone, like, throw a javelin, like, 90 metres. But imagine watching someone, like, throw it 400 metres. <laughs> just like this barely human, just like, like monster. <laughs> just pumped full of, like, 400 different drugs. But, like those like, dudes from Space Jam. Kind of uncage yeah. them and just yeah. wheel them out. It's like run the 100 metres in four seconds, but jump, <laughs> jump like, 20 metres. Yeah. I mean, to me, though, what's the difference between being on what is... You know, and I don't, I'm not an expert, I'm no scientist. Uh, I'm surprised, I, 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 you know, Having told you of my biology field trip, you'll probably be quite surprised to know that. Uh, but... I don't know. Is Melodonium 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 is a shopping industry. She's seen buying buying a bag of drugs outside Melodonium. <laughs> Actually, sales at Melodonium's went through yeah, the reef. It's like a <laughs> Just like video. tennis players flopping Old videos. This <laughs> is such a specific joke. <laughs> Anyone who lives within a mile or so of Melodonium will be. <laughs> You're holding their sights. So Melodonia is a, an, an AV shop in Guernsey. <laughs> Sells TVs and stuff, DVD players. Anyway, but it, it's Mel, Meldonium. Is it like sort of a, it's a gentle performance-enhancing drug, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how is that any different to having an unbelievably complicated and uh, specific nutritional plan? Mm. Like, how is nutrition yeah, not performance-enhancing? Yeah, it would affect your... No, I, your well, blood, I, your blood I mean? sugar like, and stuff as that's much. That's an advantage. Really. It's an advantage. You know, okay, someone taking meltonium mel- mel- has an advantage over someone who hasn't. Likewise, someone who's got an unbelievable amount of money to spend on nutritionists mm. and having the perfect nutrition has got an advantage over someone coming from a you know a developing country. Well, I actually, who's I, also I, playing the same I, sport. I do think you're right. I think there's a, a very profound 
debate about or to be had about you know the the ethics of drugs in sport because the kind of instinctive reaction that drugs must be banned does assume that sport is a level playing field hmm. which it isn't and like um I was listening to Five Live recently, and I can't remember which British sprinter it was, but they were talking about um, that some Russian athletes, their uh, B samples have been retested from Beijing. They've been found to be doping, so and they won the bronze medal, I think, in the 4x1 relay, and the British team came fourth, so the British team will now be getting the bronze medal. But this British sprinter was absolutely furious about, about the whole thing and furious that they'd been denied this moment of the bronze medal and, you know, and saying because they were cheating. And while I completely understand that and sympathise with that, I think you know a lot of people could, a lot of athletes in other parts of the world could turn around and say, "Well, you know, the British team have access to funding the like of which yeah. we yeah. will never see." I know. And it, it is just true that with the London 2012 Olympics coming up, you know, the British government pumped money into Olympic sports, and that translated into medals. And you know, yeah. funding does equal success. It's in financial sport. doping, isn't it? It's financial doping. China winning the 2008 Olympics. Like, I mean, winning overall, winning yeah. most number of medals just from the sheer will to and financing and and efforts to 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 win their own national yeah. one. But they I mean, just put more into it than any other one. Put more athletes in, like, kind of. It was like a, an experiment in trying to win the. Yeah, I mean, instinctively, I think definitely doping is wrong and taking drugs to boost your performance is wrong. But it's almost it's a similar comparison between the sort of the way drugs in sports and sort of nutrition taking a substance, a natural substance, which improves your performance and eating mm -hmm. lots of it, and drugs in wider society in the sense that, you know, alcohol being legal and whatnot mm, yeah. and cannabis being illegal. It's like that sort of, it's a, it's a quite it's neat comparison, standards. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like this sort of, this idea that one, some drugs are more acceptable than well, others. Well, like caffeine, for example, like if, if there was some sort of herbal tea that was, you know, that, you, that people said... Oh, I'll drink this herbal tea before you play sport, and it will, you know, it will improve your concentration or something. No one would think of that as doping, but actually, it is. It's a chemical, yeah, having an effect on your brain, and you know that there isn't really a difference, as far as I can see. The knee-jerk reaction of oh, it's just wrong. If you unpack it as to why people react to it being wrong, is it that because it gives you an edge? Is it that it's unnatural? You know, because as you say, if you have a gel in your match, which is like you know, made of electrolytes and guarana mm. and caffeine and all sorts of stuff. That's just about as kind of processed and engineered as a drug, isn't it? But it's just sort of where's the... It's a blurred line, I isn't think, it? I presume it's just only going to get worse because, you know, the way technology uh, is you know, improving every day and particularly in the field of sort of, you know, human care and... And, and health and whatnot, you know that yeah. it's going to be impossible. Well, it's a, it's a really it's a really difficult di difficult area to kind of chart a course through. I do feel you know you've got to feel sympathy for tennis players who lost to Maria Sharapova, you know, when she was taking this drug because some people would say, well, in very tight matches, maybe that was what gave her the edge. But it is for all the reasons we've discussed, I think quite an ethically dubious thing to say. Well, it is it should just be banned because taking drugs is is wrong. Is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And in a technical sport like tennis, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah as we know with Djokovic, you know, as we've been talking about, yeah, physicality is very, very important, but it's not. Well, it's, it's not the be all and end all. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it, that he this thing of because he's now I think he eats a very limited amount of fish. He's not eating any meat. It's almost the reverse in terms of it's. It would have been conventional wisdom that athletes, you know, in some ways like they need all the protein, they need so and so. And Djokovic, 
through this constant thing of testing everything. It's like, well, working out ways, actually, he thinks of maximizing it, doing that actually would probably without as much meat and stuff. And there's that thing of looking for, for every edge in his... Uh, yeah. And if he can spend the money on the nutritionists, then it's not a level playing field, is it? So, I mean, anyway, we, we should probably wrap should we, this up. Just a, just a random one. Got a uh, message from a listener. Um, a big fan, huge fan. Listen in the bath? All he, yeah, big bath time listener. <laughs> um, texted us from the bath, I think. Why uh, do they not refer to Wimbledon as the British Open? Interesting question. Or the UK I Open. Suppose think of the other tournaments. All England Championships, isn't it? All but England. They don't call it that. They no. call it Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We have I think absolutely we've no idea. That. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's why. Yeah. Wimbledon yeah, because it's so cool. iconic. The club, isn't it? Is that is that the reason? Because the other ones aren't that known for. Well, Ron Garros, yeah. you call it Flushy Meadows. That's not really the club, is yeah. it? That's just a. But also, haven't they club. moved around? Yeah. Certainly, the Australian Open has moved mm. yeah. at times, hasn't it? Well, it used to be on grass as well. Yeah. Whereas Wimbledon yeah. has been at the same location since eighteen seventy nine or whenever it started. What What about um? Just briefly thinking of the British, the British field for for Wimbledon. I mean, threats for the title on the men's side. It's very much <laughs> Murray, but uh, yeah, he's well, a good player, now, isn't he? Murray now got what four four British players in the top hundred, or there have been who've made it into the top hundred with Aljas Bedina. Yeah, Ward Dan, Dan Evans getting inside the top hundred. He was seven hundred seventy in the world at one calendar year before it's a pretty mm. pretty impressive achievement isn't it he's finally kind of um got things together and uh what number are you in the world team uh love to know <laughs> <laughs> it'd be interesting though wouldn't it maybe listeners can exactly what your, your ranking suggest. in the world would be i mean <laughs> it's like one of those how many sweets are in the jar things like what ranking it's tony is tony care yeah. i mean i must be in the top million Ten million. I was to say top ten million. <laughs> I was to say the top ten million. <laughs> you went from one Actually, million there are to like there's seven billion people though. Yeah, that'd be in the top 10 million. 10 million for sure. Uh, you could also you're probably better than all like infants <laughs> and very very elderly people. <laughs> so just. that's probably already a couple of billion. Below, I mean, we can go through it if you like. So you're below Djokovic, Murray, Federer, Nadal, Bayfield. and quite a few others. Maybe ten million others. What about this thing as well? Of uh, you need. You need a uh, you need a British player coming up. Do, do they, they given up on Murray Mound? What do they call it now? It's got to the be Henman Hill. Is it just always Henman Hill? Surely. Now? So Henman wins that just because his name alliterates. Who else has got a hill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah loving Mal. that now. I reckon it's always be Henman Hill. But I think it's just also, like it's he just, just walks out there, just sort of announces, just sort of puts his hands <laughs> up, just takes the applause. Yeah, day. yeah. Just like thanks. yeah. If I were Henman, I would be there. Every day of the championships. Milking just, it. You should get like a little throne or something. Yeah. You should build just a like house. Build a Henman house on Hill. Hen- the house on Henman Hill. Bleak. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it would have to be year tiny. round, it's like drizzling into February. <laughs> Fifty weeks of the oh, year. It's yeah. absolutely miserable. <laughs> it's, it's postal address. Tim Henman, Henman Hill. <laughs> Wimbledon. This wife's like, Tim, can we not just move move back to the yeah. suburbs? <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. We live in a compound like <laughs> with three groundsmen. Um, well, quickly then, one word, who's going to win Wimbledon? Not Djokovic. It's two words. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think Djokovic is going to win Wimbledon. I think Murray. Am I allowed not Djokovic? Yeah, that's all yeah, right. I'm saying not Djokovic. I'll go for Djokovic. Interesting. <laughs> <So> Djokovic, <laughs> Direct counter Djokovic to Murray. And on the women's side? 
Thanks, Serena. I think I think it'll be Serena. This, yeah. like this, Serena is, or, really, <laughs> this is really boring. Serena or not oh. Serena? Who, did you predict Djokovic and Serena for? Uh, the French well, I don't think we predicted the women's for French. But what about, I definitely predicted Djokovic yeah. for the men. What about that's um, fair enough, is it? Kvitova was unbelievable. She can be unbelievable on grass, mm, can't she? That's the, the, true, when yeah. she destroyed Bouchard in the final, was it six one six one? But mm. it was that, it was actually one of the most impressive tennis performances like you'll ever see. That match, she was just totally. Totally dominant. She's really erratic, though. Yeah, she is. She's a bit right. all over the place. Yeah, but um, yeah, she's she's definitely a threat. As a ranker, she's if she's fully as a ranker, yeah, she got injured at the mm. French, didn't she? Muguruza, I think probably more suited to claim. Muguruza, <laughs> Venus doing a bit better as well. And yeah, Heather Venus in the top ten, you know Heather as well. Yeah, love to we'll see her have a good Heather. run. It was very exciting when she, uh, you know, when she had that run last year and. And that amazing match yeah. against Serena. Yeah, she did just well. She did what she needed to do at Roland Garros to, to yeah. seal the place for Rio. So yeah. that's good by getting to the second round. Though a bit disappointing that she to go out in the second round. And she she didn't start very well in uh, on the grass. Did she in Nottingham? Lost yeah. her opening match, but plenty of time left. Yeah, she'd be so up for it, so keen on it. Mm. I love like the well, exactly after how it ended last year. She'll she'll yeah. You'd think she'll come out massively fighting. Yeah, I like the unfinished get- business. I like the. I, I, it's quite fun to see famous people watching at Wimbledon as well and backing the, the local hope. Isn't Not it? Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, it's quite random the ones you see turning up. Um, to catch always Bradley Cooper. Mad. <laughs> I almost ruined the. Almost ruined uh, Murray winning Wimbledon. Why do you hate Bradley Cooper? Jared Butler and Bradley oh, yeah, Cooper. Jared Butler was just like, me. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, they've got to show I them a bit less. Don't care. Well, no, exactly. I was sitting there Once. thinking, I really want to know what Jared Butler and Bradley Cooper make of this. Yeah, and oh. what they're wearing. <laughs> Absolutely, does my nut. DiCaprio is watching the French final, so Leonardo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good actor, isn't he? One last thing I want to say is that I think Murray would get better with better kit. Yeah. Do you not think that, especially at the French, Wimbledon is better because it's just white. The, his kit at the French was awful. He looks like he's pieced together a kit from Lost Property. <laughs> he genuinely looks yeah. like he's wearing Lost Property. Who makes this kit? Do you remember at Adidas. school, um, if you forgot your trunks, yeah. there was always a stack <laughs> yeah. um, there. And there used to be, there was a guy, William Walter. <laughs> so there's always just a stack of his clothes. <laughs> Murray's kit is William Walter hand downs. If Murray comes out they, first round of Wimbledon wearing skimpies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with Walter written on the back. <laughs> <laughs> then my point will have been proven. No, I think mean, Murray does need something a bit more. I mean, when you look at the stuff that, you know, that Federer gets to wear and the Uniqlo yeah. Djokovic. It's like Federer comes Corey. out with a gold trim blazer and Murray waddles out with like Lidl's bargain bucket. <laughs> Horrendous. He was wearing a kind of dirty green brown pair of shorts at the French, the wrong size. <laughs> <laughs> all the other players are like Plink looking immaculate. There, I think you you've said to me, Tony, that you think the, the look is half the half definitely, the battle. Definitely. For that reason, if Murray if it's such fine lines when Murray winning a slam, I think he needs a new is I always I always think that you know if I've got the kit well you're always then that's half the battle and I do, I've got all the kit but it doesn't seem to you know I haven't won in your case it's yet. a fraction of the <laughs> of the battle well anyway uh, I think that's probably about it for tonight I imagine the the bath has run cold yeah. by now so it's probably time to get out we're off for another Chinese this yeah. is becoming a tradition a tradition tradition uh, so yeah I mean Tony set himself a budget both monetarily and calorifically 
for tonight's dinner. I'm going to put this out there, though. You said that before we started. I imagine you're probably quite a bit hungrier. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure oh, if you're going to so stick annoying. to that budget. It's so annoying. Tear I hate you people. Because <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we're just going to do the and then we're going to have a late dinner. By which time I'll be so hungry that yeah. I'll go and order the bloody menu. Also, it's yeah. so late that you won't digest it. So <laughs> it'll just be sitting there for the rest of the week. Because you've got, you're, you guys are going to a wedding on Saturday and you were saying to him that you've bought a new suit. I brought a tight. I bought. I basically have my sort of wedding suit. My best suit is designed to fit a stone lighter version of me. <laughs> uh, so there's, there was no chance of me getting into it. Uh, and so I've gone and bought a suit today, uh, which is also really tight. If you, need, so, a, if you need a spell, I've got an old one of William Walters. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not get one that fits? Well, it, it does fit. It's just on the tight side. Was it so one of those like um, it's yeah. Uh, yeah an optimistic fit? Mm. Well, it's just snug. Yeah. But you bought it today, it's two cut. days before the wedding, so it's very optimistic. I mean, what there there's always there's the nuclear option, isn't there, of, uh, of what you could do for the next two days with someone that was in our year at school, not Maria Sharapova. True story. <laughs> Once, what was it? She needed to. She wanted to lose weight to fit a particular dress. So it's a similar case. Um, so she ate a... I don't know if it was a whole raw chicken, but she ate a raw chicken in the hope that she would get the the required salmonella that would result in... Terrible in, food poisoning. ...in weight loss. That's you imagine if you turned up to the wedding with salmonella as well, just miserable, but in an immaculate suit. Anybody. You wouldn't appreciate this on radio, but I've got very athletic legs. Uh, and, uh, I don't really appreciate it in person. <laughs> and they don't really fit in trousers. Yeah, but you've, you've taken to wearing really skinny trousers. No, I just wear cut uh, trousers. Skinny. <laughs> no. Lovely. Anyway. Yeah. You're wearing shorts tonight. But they're just, you, you know, see? they're just they're built for power. Aren't the Djokovic ones comfortable, though, the unique low ones? Oh, a little plug yeah, for those. I'd... They're kind of fitted, aren't they? They're like... They're so stretchy. They're so good. They're so nice. Give Murray a pair of those... Six months' time, he'll have had two more Grand Slams. Six months' time, he's won ten more Grand Slams. Anyway, uh, I think that's it, then. We're going to be back for the US Open. But until then, that's all from me. That's all from Tony. Bye. Now get out of the bath. (laughs) (laughs) Bath time's over. Bath time's over. uh, (laughs) Not just boys, I suppose. (laughs) Bath time's over, boys. To get yeah, you got to get the mic. Bring the mic right in close. Yeah, put it right to the end. Get it angled right. And just don't tap the mic as well. No tapping. It was actually quite good last yeah. time. The level, the balance of the levels. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Richard Krychek. Have a little conversation. Let's just do a game of categories. Name tennis players. Dominic okay. Team. Carlos Moya. <laughs> 
Uh, these ex-tennis players. Amelie Moresmo. No, we'll just go around a circle. Just Lindsay so Davenport. Ernest Gulbis. Jennifer Capriati. Andy Murray. Garby and Muguruza. Jamie Murray. Ivo Karlovic. Judy Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so... Yeah, just... Sorry, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of course, uh, things not quite as, as rosy for Maria these days. Uh, that wasn't a very good segue at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Bav, just take it away whenever you want, mate. All right. Can I'll I just make this point about Game of Thrones very, very quickly? Yeah. Okay. And I don't understand how it's got big. The yeah. effects aren't actually that good to say how much money. Poor, yeah. Also, it's just exclusively like slightly, yeah, people I like, but what you'd say are sort of jobbing British actors like yeah. Robson, yeah. or no, Jerome, Jerome. Flynn. Yeah. Who's Jerome like, Flynn? Bron from Robson and Jerome. But like, um, we're not talking like it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like There's they couldn't have got anyone better. Skins and Holly Oaks yeah, and stuff. It's yeah, it's weird. It's quite odd. Anyway. Well. No, but then they did. They used to have Charles Dance. He's, yeah. he's got to be a. And they've British. got and, um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Price. Price. Maybe because there are so many it? characters required, they yeah. had to go to the B, like the B yeah. tier. Yeah. Okay, Danny Dyer. <laughs> Danny Dyer will be in it next season. What's his name? Uh, Dean Gaffney. <laughs> <laughs> He'll pop season. up. Barry from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs>